We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. I think we're good as far as questions. We've got some other stuff that we want to get to. So that those are our, our biggest questions going into camp. And again, camp starts in about a week and a half. August 5th, it's an entire practice. We'll be there breaking everything down, enjoying life. It'd be nice if they had like a lunch, but I'll just throw that out there. Uh, but I don't care. Just let us be, let me be there. Yeah, I know, I know, like, I know like, seriously, I, at this point in time, I don't care. You don't need a lunch. You don't need a water. You, you just give us enough oxygen to breathe and I'll be good. <laughs> I know, yeah. Right. I'm with you. I want you to popular beef, I was not banned from the facilities, no. like some of these idiots like to say. Oh, you yeah. know, but uh, I would love to be there. Just we need the dynamic duo back in place. Yes. There's yes. And now we'll have Sean there. And know, Sean right? Davis is gonna be at the two full practices. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna great be fun. It's gonna be so great. Because we all three of us would hang out. Me, you, and Sean Sarge always hang out at practices anyway. Yeah. <laughs> We're all I was working. I was running, uh, you know, IB. You were working at BGI. Sean was with the radio station. Now it's like, you know, uh, this is a lot more expensive for me to us be to be hanging out of games. Than it was the radio that's, last fair. Time. that's fair. I mean, <laughs> that's a fair statement. But I got to pay people to hang out with me in practice. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at it like that, <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> oh man! Well, I, I was hanging out with Sean last year when he was working for somebody else, and uh, we there. The never mind. I'm gonna <laughs> just gonna say we were having conversations about some other guy that was there. So anyway, let's jump into some rapid fire, Brian. We got some good questions that I'm kind of excited to knock around here, and uh, so we're gonna kind of travel around college football nfl we're going to be kind of all over the place so first question that i'm tossing up to you sir for the seventh time in eight seasons clemson is picked to win the acc in the preseason with 104 votes nc state was picked second with 38 votes is there any competition for clemson this season in the acc or is it a foregone conclusion that the tigers are going to win it all We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Trade Coffee sent us two new flavors after my wife filled out their quiz. 
Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee, New York City, and Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters in Massachusetts. The Black Velvet was a dark roast with a note of burnt sugar, graham cracker, and malted milk balls. It was a very rich but smooth flavor that reminded her a bit of her favorite dessert, creme brulee. The Big City French Roast was also a dark roast, which is right up my wife's alley. And it was flavored with burnt sugar, baking chocolate, and roasted almonds. The smell in the kitchen while she was preparing a cup of coffee put a smile on my face, and she said the taste was even better and sweeter. And she didn't pick these flavors. They were chosen by trade after she filled out a short quiz. You got to give this a try. And Trade Coffee connects customers to the freshest and best tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. These are independent businesses from big cities and small towns. Trade customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters, often being the largest source of new growth for them. Trade's coffee team actually taste tests thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. There's no one perfect coffee, but there is a perfect coffee for you, and Trade's human-powered algorithm will find it. Trade is so confident they'll match you right the first time that if they don't, They'll take your feedback, and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send you a brand new bag for free. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping and handling when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. Okay, so let me ask you, uh, can I ask a clarifying question, Vince? Are we talking about the regular season, the conference title game, or both? I believe we are talking about both. Okay. I believe we're talking about both. Okay. So, I mean, it's your decision, so we can talk about whatever. It can be from whatever you want. So, for me... When I look at it, I I do believe that they will. Win. I have them picked to win the ACC, but it is not going to be as easy as it's been in the past for a host of reasons. Number okay. one, other teams in the league are better. Okay, I, I think Wake Forest has gotten better now. They, like Clemson is kryptonite to Wake Forest. I mean, they can look great for like you know, I mean, saw it last year. I mean, they look great rolling, beating people, and then they go play Clemson and get curb stomped because they just I, number one, it's a bad matchup, right? Because they like to do that real slow mesh. You can't do that stuff against Clemson. You got that front seven. You better get rid of that ball quick, yeah. son. Right. You know, so you can't do that. I mean, and, and you just, you just, you can't do it. I mean, the, their lowest point total of the season uh, was uh, was twenty seven against against Clemson. Their next lowest point total, I think, was like thirty five in week three against Florida State. You know, like as far as regular season. So, uh, but you look, I. Last year, I mean, first of all, what's funny is they didn't win the ACC last year. No, they didn't. Like, they didn't win. They didn't win the Atlantic. I mean, you know, Pitt and Wake Forest played in that. You know, so Wake Forest won the the Atlantic last year, even though they lost to Wake to Clemson in the head to head. But I think NC State's going to be better. Although Dave Dorn still has to prove to me that he can be um, sort of a um, how do I put this, Vince? Can you build on a season? Sure. And, and I think that's Clemson too. That's so. held him back in past years right. with him is, is I felt like, boy, they're on the verge of really doing something. And then they would kind of underachieve the next year. Right. And so that's a concern, you know, but you look at some of their road games this year, you know, at Boston college, if BC's healthy, that's BC has given Clemson games in recent years. I mean, sure. they almost beat them last year at Clemson. They almost beat them uh, two years ago. Uh, at Clemson, remember Dracovic get got him a lead, and then Clemson went down and scored late right. to win that game. And so yeah, the BC, yeah. BC's not afraid of Clemson, and and so you know this year it's at Boston College, and it's right, right after you have back to back games against Wake and NC State, and right. you got Florida State a week later. <laughs> so BC's kind of that trap game type of thing for Clemson. Sure, uh, the Notre Dame game won't count. Florida State's on the road, and then they play Miami late. So the schedule's challenging. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, they it it's they could still lose a game in, in the ACC and still win it. So regular season wise, I do think they're the leader. I don't think they're just going to dominate the conference like they did a few years ago. And honestly, some of the past Clemson teams wouldn't dominate it the way they did back then because I think part of the thing 
is not only is Clemson coming down a little bit, but I do think the rest of the league is getting better. I really do. Sure. Here's the second part. Okay. I believe the ACC for this season has eliminated the divisions for the 2022 season, correct? Uh, it's for next year. It's for next year? Next year, yeah. Okay, so if this they still have uh, divisions this year. year okay. Miami was picked to win the other division. Okay, so they are going to still have divisions. Okay, because that's when it's going to get real interesting because yeah. then they become the Big 12 where you got you could beat a team in the regular season that's you know and then not and then play them in a rematch. Now that's somewhat doable now, but in the new thing like remember the years that Clemson won the ACC when before Florida State imploded and they won tough games against Florida State? Well, in some of those years Florida State was the second best team in the league, but it didn't matter. They weren't going to play them in a rematch because you had the Coastal there and both yeah. in the Atlantic. Right. So that's going to be interesting. But of course, Agreed. as you said, I wasn't sure when that was going into play. Yeah. If they'll be this year next year. I just read that so, today. So this is the last year. That's going to make it very interesting. So regular season wise, I think so. The other thing too, Vince, is when when you look at the coastal, you know, I think that's the side that's 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 needed the most improvement, right? Because in recent years, the best second and third best and fourth best teams are often in the Atlantic. I mean, you could argue that in many years in, in the last in the in the college football playoff era, that the second, third, and fourth best team in the conference was from the coastal. Agreed. And and really, this is the there was twice that that wasn't necessarily the case. Uh, this past year was not necessarily the case with Pitt. I would have liked to have seen a Clemson Pitt game, you know, in the ACC title game. I think that would have been very fun to watch. Uh, you know, as far as as far as that matchup, because I, I think I think Pitt was the best team in the ACC last year. Uh, Clemson and Pitt uh, did not play each other, or they did play each other last year at Pitt. Pitt beat them by ten. I would have liked to have seen that rematch, right? It, it, you know, by the end of the year. But anyway, they got Wake Forest. I think when you look at the division now, however, Miami's getting better. They right. got a they got a really good young quarterback that makes them dangerous. Pitt's gotten better, although I think they're going to fall off quite a bit after last year with all they lost. I think North Carolina is getting better. They're one of my sleeper teams. They went from overrated in last year to underrated this year, in my okay. opinion. Okay. Um, you know, so, so I, I do think that that division is getting tougher. And then I want to see what, what, what uh, the new coach of Virginia tech is going to do. Cause the thing about Justin Fuente they had players, yeah, I forgot didn't use that. them. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, I want to see what pry is going to do there. Uh, you know, Brent, uh, Brent Price is going to do there as the new head coach. So I just think it's going to be, it's, it's a thing of it's, you're seeing this with Clemson, right? Where they're slowly coming down, but other Agreed. teams are slowly getting better. They're still the best team. Yes. But it's just not as easy. The margin for errors are going to be a little thinner than it was. Yes. Now it won't be perceived that way. It's going to be perceived as a massive fall off by Clemson is how it's going to be because the ACC is not getting any respect. And then, it, as you guys talked about yesterday, it bled into basketball last year. Oh, yeah. It was the most absurd oh thing that, that, that the ACC was getting kicked in the teeth the way it was last year. The fact that the, no number, the team that finished second in the ACC had to do a play-in game. Right. Like, I mean, that – Who beat Kentucky. Right. You know, it's right. ridiculous. Right. Uh, ridiculous. I'm sorry. So, we're seeing that. And so, yeah, I think the league is getting better. I think, I think you know, it's just Florida State's going to be better. Are they going to be as good – enough to beat Clemson. I don't know, but they're getting better. You know, Wake Forest is getting better. Uh, Louisville is going to get, is going to get is on the ascension. They're getting, they're going to be better. I think, I think Malik Cunningham this year has got a chance to be a really dynamic run throw quarterback. And like we did a top 15 court breakdown quarterback breakdown. Uh, Ryan and I did at our breakdown and we had several guys from the ACC in there. It's a really good year. We had Devin Leary in the top five, the kid from NC state. We had Sam Hartman in the top 15. I think he's a little overrated. I've seen people have him like six or seven. I don't think he's that high because he doesn't play well in big games. He's he a good, solid great quarterback. Numbers. Yeah, he's a good, he solid quarterback. Huge numbers. Yeah, right. But it's just like, you know, it's it's system numbers. Yeah. Uh, we had Malik Cunningham in there. That was that was because I'm a lot higher on him. Okay. Uh, we had Phil Dracovic in there. We had Tyler Van Dyke from Miami in there. You know, so and, oh, and we had Brendan Armstrong in there. Like, there's a lot of really good quarterbacks in the ACC, and I've always felt that if you've got that kind of big game quarterback, that guy can put up numbers, then you, you're going to have a chance to to me to to have those upsets. Yeah, you need the quarterbacks, and the ACC has been desperately lacking big time quarterbacks. I didn't finish the sentence earlier. I said last year with Pitt was another time. The last time that I thought the Coastal had a team that could maybe go hang with Clemson was North Carolina with Marquise Williams. You remember that team a few years ago? 
They actually gave Clemson a bit of a game for a while. Right. And that was like an 11 and two North Carolina team. That was a really good North Carolina team. But we, I mean, I mean, other years they're playing like seven and five pit, you know, who lost that game and then lost a bowl game to finish seven and seven. Right. You know, they've played some at very mediocre Virginia tech teams. Uh, I think they played like Duke. one year. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy they're getting rid of the divisions. Yeah. I mean, or at least not. Sh- I mean, well, they, shaking them up, you know, it's, because it's cyclical it, to it me is. It because, is. and I think it's an overreaction because like, you know, there was a time not that long ago in history where a division with Miami, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, and Pitt would have been pretty flipping formidable. True. You know, I mean, that's, that's the point. thing is we, we always look at things of where they are now, but it would not that long ago it, that that division would have been pretty darn good. And, and yeah. honestly, with some of the coaching hires that they've made, you know, I like the hire at Virginia Tech. I think he's going to recruit well. They're going to be more tough nosed, and he can't be worse than Justin Fuente. I love the hire of Mario Cristobal at Miami. I yeah, really I, like I, that hire. I think that, I think they're going to. Be really I think Tony good Elliott's going to do better at Virginia Tech, maybe than some people think he will. And then, of course, you know Matt Brown's doing a good job. And I love the hire of Mike Elko at Duke. The best chance you have to to maximize your roster from a recruiting talent standpoint is by hiring a guy like Mike Elko, who's a great recruiter. You know, and a guy that's an Ivy League graduate. He played at Penn. He understands. Right how to coach and recruit and coach smart players. Sure. So I, I think that the ACC Coastal is was is kind of on the ascension, and, of course, now they're going to get rid of it. Which All right. It is what it is. But Good stuff. No, I, I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to go through everything that you just said because that was you, you, you nailed it. I think, I think Clemson's kind of dialing down a little bit. I think everybody's kind of – and you could even say that across college football too. Mm-hmm. I think Clemson is kind of coming down a little bit, and I think some teams are going to get closer – to Clemson as they move forward, but mm-hmm. that's a conversation for I don't know maybe our college football channel eventually. Just saying, throwing it out there. All this right. is going to get put on that, by the way. I'm. It's going to be <laughs> that talk is going to be one of the videos I it put should on be. our new channel. It definitely yeah. should be. Here's another one that could potentially be on that channel. Our second question is a very interesting one. In a book about to come out, it is reported that Nick Saban tested the ESPN analyst waters following the kick six lost to Auburn in 2013. That means there would have been a new head coach for the 2014 season at Alabama. How would college football have been different if Saban hung up his whistle nine years ago? Man. Well, first of all, Dabo's got three rings. (laughs) That's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, Dabo's got three rings because... Is Dabo still at Clemson? Well, not only that, but Dabo would have beat them in 15. Okay. And then they beat him in 16 and beat him in 18. So Dabo, they beat they beat Alabama if Alabama is even the team they're going to play sure. in 2015. Uh, Alabama would have faded pretty quickly because you, you don't want to be the guy. Like, who would have replaced them? Oh, yeah, you know? exactly. Like, exactly. And, and, I, and I'm curious how Ohio State would have been without Alabama because how many of the kids that went that – because it's, it's not just how they be a team, but what kind of recruiting impact would we have sure. seen? As Alabama's been hoarding all these great players, would would Georgia have a second title now? Would Ohio State have a second playoff title? You know, would would some of the guys at Notre Dame lost to Alabama maybe have come there? You know, how would the rest of the division have played out? What what would have happened at LSU if they don't have Alabama kicking their teeth in every year and stealing a bunch of players from the state of Louisiana? There's such a tidal wave of of an impact that that would have had. Yeah, that I mean. Because you're talking about after the 13 game, that was before the college football playoff even started. Right, right. Like that would have been fast, and Urban Meyer would have cleaned up on recruits that otherwise went to Bama at that time. And because they, they they won the first title, right? Ohio State won the first title and beat Bama. Like out, I mean, just that's the only time I remember Alabama just getting physically pushed around under Saban since Nick like, Saban's been there. Yeah. yeah. Because, like, you know, even some of the games that they didn't play well, sloppy, but they never got pushed around. Ohio right. State pushed them around, and especially in the second half of that game, because Bama was ready to run them off the field early. Remember that? Like, Blake Sims yep. misses that chance to, I think he turns the ball over. I think it was like, it was like 20 to three or something like that. And Bama's driving. And I believe it was Blake Sims threw a pick. I believe it was a pick how they didn't score. And then that's when the, just the Ohio State comeback started, and they just ran them off the field in the second Remember half. Remember that? Yeah. And you just you don't see Bama getting bullied the way that Ohio State did to them in the second half of that game. Right. 
but yeah, that would have looked so much different. The it, whole it really landscape would have. would have been different because I, I don't think you're talking about Alabama being the dynasty that they are. We're not now. talking about the need for college football expansion the way that they did because I think this talent again the talent would have been spread out a little right. bit more. And so you would have had different champions and different things going yeah. on. And yeah, yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. That that's I, a good point. Yeah. It would be very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. The ripple effect would have been massive, and and I think, and I think it would have been. And you touched on this, but from a recruiting standpoint, all, I, I think that's where because that the talent, like you said, Alabama hoards talent. Like mm-hmm. I mean, they they've got guys on their two and three deep that other guys, that they would start. Other and I have no disrespect for that at all. No, I, I, I got no problem with that. Hey, absolutely. Don't. It's like people are like, well, they should pass rules to you know not let Bama have this. And I'm like, hey, you know what? So how about instead of trying to take them down, you just step up your game, right? Hey, we I'll don't want to work as hard or pay as many people. They shouldn't let Bama do that. Screw that. I'll you want to beat them? Beat them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree with that. But if that talent gets spread out to a Clemson or an Ohio State or a Georgia, I think we're still talking about the same teams in that elite tier. But I think those teams have more titles. I think it's spread out a little bit more. All those Alabama titles, they go elsewhere, right? Obviously. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Whoever, and that that's still a thing, whoever follows Nick Saban, peace be with you dude yeah. like i that is not a job yeah. that i would covet in any way yeah uh, i mean you're gonna make a lot of money but the success it, here's another question here's another question you know who i think it would have impacted in a big way georgia okay who would have been named as his, his Ooh, successor that's a good point it, probably it gonna be kirby. very well could have been kirby smart probably would have been kirby because he was on staff then right right he was yeah. their d coordinator up until 2015 mm-hmm. yeah his first year at Georgia was 2016. So he maybe he's Alabama's coach. Maybe. And Ooh. I don't think he would have done as well at Alabama's no. as Nick Saban. But then let's say he stays and they're still at least good. Let's say they, they win another title. I think he would have won a title at Bama. I think Bama would have still been good. Sure. They just would have been as good as they are under Saban. Is that fair? I think that's fair. They'd be what Georgia when, when coaching changes now. When when coaching changes happen. The team doesn't just fall off right. necessarily. Well, you know what I mean. I, I mean, if if they're up here to begin no, with, no, you're right because yeah. Larry Coker was one of the worst coaches I've ever seen, and he still won a title. Just gonna say that that was you gonna know? be my example <laughs> too. It's such a great yeah. situation. Now, by year three, they were garbage. Exactly. You know, but he won a title and had one of the best teams ever that lost a title in in '02. You know, so uh, yeah, you're you're yeah, there. You go, but but yeah, what what about Georgia? Who's their head coach? Right, right now. Do they do they replace Rick? Would they have replaced him with someone else? Would Rick still be there? Rick Up might be more successful. Problems. I mean, oh yeah, true. Well, Rick was pretty good anyway. He got I he gets agree. a bad rap at Georgia. He was he really a pretty good does. coach. I, I liked him as a coach personally. Yeah, he was a good football coach. He just wasn't a dynamic football coach. But right. then who do they replace him with? So it just would have got really yeah. interesting. Really interesting. I agree. You know, had he, I thought I, was, I think I thought Bama would have still been really good, but it would they wouldn't have been as good. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, It'd be fascinating. All right. What ifs of college football? Those are so much fun. Seriously. Let's jump to the NFL real quick. A a former college football player. So when asked about Lamar Jackson, an anonymous NFL defensive coordinator is quoted as saying, and now I took out the swear words as well, but he says, quote, I don't care if he wins league MVP 12 times. I do not think he will ever be a one as a quarterback, unquote. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? Yes, because the thing the thing about it is there's a little bit more context to that statement that is needed. And it's from the rest of the comment. He says so many games come down to one or to, down to two minute, and that is why they have a hard time advancing even when they are good on defense. Playoffs are tight. You have to be able to throw the ball, and he is just so inconsistent throwing the ball. It is hit or miss. I, I think it's I think it's hyperbolic, but I think the point stands. Sure. I mean, Lamar is an incredibly talented player, but he has been inconsistent as a passer. It's very similar to the to the the um, the criticisms that were thrown at John Elway his first four or five years. Now, in Elway's case, it was that's why you can't win the Super Bowls, whereas in Lamar, it's like that's why you can barely win any playoff games. What's he like two and three in playoff games? Yeah, I think as like a starter, mediocre. I mean, and then last year they went eight nine, and, and right? all this is coming up because his contract is up, and sure, he's looking for that massive. Sure, Kyler Murray deal. The Ravens are probably going to give it to him, but I'm sorry, I'm not. He he has 
He is a fun player to watch. Absolutely. So they're coming off of an eight, nine year. Now I know he got hurt, but they were seven and five when he played. Right. Right. So it's not like they were great when he played. They're two and three in the postseason. In their in their five playoff games with him as a starter, they've scored 17, 12, 13, and three points. And, and they scored 33 in one game. But in that one game, he threw for 185 yards and had six yards rushing. They they didn't win because of him right. per se. Uh so I'm sorry, he hasn't proven that. He hasn't proved he has not done, he does not belong on the same level as a as a, a, a Pat Mahomes, right? Uh as a Russell Wilson from a you know guys that have won Super Bowls as right. an Aaron Rodgers, as even Josh Allen. I was gonna say, I was gonna say Allen. You know? Oh, yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, because because Lamar walked into a great situation of a good team. He, he was the last pick of the first round. Josh Allen walked into a bad team and has made it really good. Yeah. I, but so I think it's accurate. I think Lamar does need to improve as a passer. There's no question about that. I actually blame Baltimore for that because I think Baltimore has sort of turned into the running aspects of Lamar. Oh, absolutely. Like to me, Lamar has regressed a bit as a passer. And, I, and you're kind of preparing for this. I, I watched a little bit of film, but he's a guy, you know, you know, I'm a big Lamar Jackson fan. You, I, I remember you, you and I's conversation about him I, when he was in college. And I think you were higher on him in college even than even I was for sure. Oh, yeah. There's no, because I think his passing was over overlooked because he's right. such a dynamic runner sure. that people forgot that the cat threw for 3,600 yards one year. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah, this absolutely. isn't like Eric Crouch, you know, reincarnated. You know what I mean? Or, or Tony Rice, right? right? Like this cat can throw, you know, Lamar was an over 60% completion guy in college. He was a 3,600, you know, yard passing guy in college. I'm, I'm looking at his last couple of years. He won the Thailand 16, correct? The year he won the, won the Heisman. I mean, it sounds he, right. He threw for 3,500 yards, 30 touchdowns. Now what most people remember about that year is the 1500 yards rushing and the 21 touchdowns. And they right. don't talk about the fact that he threw for 3,500 yards and 30 touchdowns. You know, the next year he went for 3,600 over 3,600 yards and his team was, was not as good. They lost some receivers and all that other stuff. But I think what has happened in, in the NFL is I think Lamar is kind of Baltimore because they're a conservative. They've always been a bit of a conservative team. Right. And, and, and even their Super Bowl winners were teams that were running the football and playing great defense and all that kind of stuff. They look at Lamar and say, hey, we're going to we're going to accent sort of, you know, what he does and its dynamic playmaking ability and stuff like that. And I don't think that they have done enough with him, in my opinion, to let him develop as a passer. I mean, look, the reality is Vince, he threw more passes in 13 games in college. Right, his last year at Louisville in 13 games, he threw 430 passes. He's only gone over 400 pass attempts in a season in the NFL once in more games. Yes, <laughs> once, right? So, to and me, that is more pass happy. Yes, college. I think they have tried to make him something that I don't necessarily think that he is, which is why I don't think he's as good of a passer. I don't think they have like leaned into like to me like Lamar throws a great at least in college I haven't watched it as much in the NFL sure. a great deep ball I don't let him throw deep ball a whole lot it's just dink and dunk and move the pockets and all this other kind of stuff right. so in my opinion I I agree with everything that defensive coordinator said I think the issue is more Baltimore than it is Lamar in my opinion and and, and you know I'm sure some people will disagree with that and they'll just look at what he's been the DC is right based on what Lamar is in regards to how he's used. Sure. I think the question for me is, is he being used properly? And he's one of the few NFL players that I watch because I enjoy watching him. I have not enjoyed watching him the last couple of years. Sure. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, you know, they're, they're trying to make him this odd dual threat guy where he's a runner first and a passer second. And I don't, I don't like that. I mean, I, I think they need to allow him to use his, like, it's like with Buffalo. They need to let him be what but what Josh Allen is in Buffalo, where Josh Allen's legs are a big part of his game. Ryan and I were talking about this earlier today, but they're not designing the run game around him as much as they are, in my opinion, in Baltimore, and they don't limit him, in my opinion, the way that they do in Baltimore. I mean, the kids rush for over a thousand yards twice. Why? Why? I mean, I, but to me, it's 
you're you're leaning into that dynamic ability instead right. of letting the dynamic ability be something that that you honestly it's like that enhances your play yeah like, yeah right yeah like michael vick was that way like when michael was started to be a veteran like he would make some great runs but a lot of them came off of scrambles sure as opposed to the designed runs you don't run for a thousand twelve hundred and six yards like you did in the second year if you're just running a bunch of scrambles right you know so like to me and then and then when you do have some designed runs they're a little bit more impactful because it's just not something you're preparing for sure and you got jk dobbins if jk's healthy i'm sorry let him be your ball carrier. Let Lamar throw because then you get yeah. to the postseason, and Lamar's not a big guy. He's been getting banged around all year. He's that happened to Elway a lot. Yeah, you know, I mean, Elway right. went through that when his career where he'd get to the postseason, like he had to put the team on his shoulder so dang much, you know. And he's bang. I remember the one year he gets hurt against the Bills, and I mean, just you know, a guy can only carry a team so much. So I would like to see Baltimore uh, again. I don't. I think the guy is right. That is very true about about Lamar Jackson. I think where I would argue with some people is maybe why is he that way? Sure. And, you know, that's kind of the the, the way I look at it. And so and like somebody says, you know, it stinks that Lamar played for somebody like Bobby Petrino. Yeah, Bobby Petrino is an a-hole and a bad dude. But I think Bobby Petrino did more for Lamar Jackson's career than anybody ever. Because yeah. he did – Bobby Petrino did not look at Lamar and say, you're the most dynamic player I've ever seen at quarterback. Which would be right? true. Which would be true. The only other guy that even remotely comes close is Michael Vick, in my opinion. Right. Just as far as this, like John sure. Elway was the greatest all-around quarterback I've ever seen. But John Elway was not the explosive athlete that Lamar is, right? Michael Vick's the closest thing to it. Lamar's bigger, taller, and all that kind of stuff. Right, right. But Bobby didn't say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna make you be like what you know, like a a, a version of what Brandon Wimbush looked like." He said, "Look, we're gonna use your athleticism, but I'm gonna teach you how to throw the football because I like to throw the football." And as I said, this kid threw for over seven thousand yards in two years at Louisville, threw for thirty touchdowns as a, you know when he won the Heisman Trophy. And so I think Bobby Petrino did more to advance his game as a passer than anybody. And that's why I said, like, if you to put Lamar. In Notre Dame's offense in 2017, part of the reason that I believe that Notre Dame would have won a title is not because he'd have been such a dynamic runner, because I think Brandon Wimbush was a pretty dynamic runner. Right. It's right. because of what Lamar would have brought to the table as a passer. And so that's kind Great. of where, where I look at it is, is uh, yeah, Lamar, Bobby Petrino is one of the biggest D-bags in the history of college football, in my opinion. I mean, Not even a debate. It's so not even a debate. Yeah. But in this instance, I don't know if there's a better quarterback that Lamar could have played for. Because Bobby said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build, I'm gonna work on you as a passer. And and I don't think the Ravens have done that. Right. That's my problem. They've embraced the dynamic yes. part, but not yes. yeah, right. I agree. Without yeah. and, and you got to be careful because you don't want to remove, you don't want to be like Robert Griffin the third, where they just completely took away the running and then he became right. useless. Right. Right. Like you don't want that. You want to be use that ability to run. It's like and I wouldn't I wouldn't have done that with Steve Young. I wouldn't have done that with John Elway. Use the athleticism, but Absolutely. don't make it the focal point of what you do for him unless it's coming through the pass game. And that's that's what I'd like to see from Lamar. And if they do that, then I think Lamar is going to be a lot more dynamic. And I think that's how he makes everybody else around him better. Right. And until they make that change, I, I think he's always going to be held back a little bit more than than the Josh Allens and and you know, the Pat Mahomes is another guys like that, that, uh, you know, that, that, that are more successful. You know, he's never going to be Pat Mahomes as a passer. doesn't need to be Pat right. Mahomes is never going to be him as a runner. Right. You put those two things together a little bit more effectively. And that's how Lamar is going to be successful. Absolutely. You put them together with what they've got going on defense as well in Baltimore, mm -hmm. you're going to be in good shape. So, all right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for rapid fire. Brian. Hey, well, hold on a second. We've got what? one more. I was excited about the last question. Oh, you were? Who's I didn't Poppy? realize that. Heck yeah, man. Oh, I, okay, okay. He okay, was one of my okay. favorite players of his generation. Okay, all right. I love that. Okay, so uh, let's wrap it up with a baseball yeah. question then. All right, so David Ortiz was inducted into the Baseball Hall of mm -hmm. Fame this weekend. Big Poppy, what is your favorite memory of the Boston Slugger? I have two. Okay. One is for what he did on the field, and the other is for what he did as a leader. Okay. Um. So the one on the field is um that was it game four? Was it 2004 was the first year the first that, day they won the uh, when they came back. Right. Yeah. They were playing the Yankees, and it was it was kind of it was a game, not a play. Like obviously everybody remembers the walk-off home run that he hit in the 12th, which was huge. But the other thing for me is early in that game, he had a clutch single that drove in two runs. They they went in the it was the fifth inning, I believe. They were down, um, I think, two nothing. 
think it's one or two, one or two, nothing in that inning. The bats were just silent. They got a run and then he drives a single in to knock in two runs to give him that first lead, right? Like if you don't get that momentum, then you don't get to the position where the walk off happens. Right. And, and that's kind of the thing for me is uh, like, that was money because that was the giant. You couldn't slay like the Yankees were the giant. You couldn't slay. And you couldn't get past them, and that put them in. And again, that didn't win the series. Like they had other games played, but well, if they lose game four at home, it's over. Done. I mean, they would have been swept. Right, yeah. right, right. I mean, they, like I said, they had other games that they had to win. Sure. But, the, you know, they just they, they had won. to win four in a row. I mean, they, yeah. 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 So uh, that was that was a, a big one. And then the, uh, the, the one that, to me, Vince, the one, the other one that I would look to uh, is, is after the, the bombing. Uh, when he spoke to the crowd, like, this is our city, you know what I mean? Like just what that meant and what that represented and, and what, and what I, my view of what, of what this makes this country great is a cat from, where's he from? Like the Dominican, yeah. right? Isn't he not, from the Dominican? Not, not America. Like yeah. Yeah. He right. Is. But, but he didn't say this is my adopted city. He said, this is, this is our city, you know, and just what that represents. And especially if you're someone who understands the history of Boston's, you know, history with race, that was just a really cool thing. But, you know, it's, you always think of, you know, whatever you think about uh, politics, right? I, I have very strong opinions of George Bush and a lot of them aren't very pleasant. But, you know, one that I will always remember as the rest of my life that made me happy is after 9-11 when he threw out that first pitch in Yankee Stadium. It's kind of like, you know what? We're going to be all right. Yeah, right. And sports can be that for us sometimes. You know what I mean? And I and I love that. But, you know, when, when you look at kind of – him stepping up for that city saying, Hey, we're going to be all right. Yeah. You know, this is our place and we're going to be all right. I just thought that was a really cool thing that I'll, I'll never, I'll never forget that. Right. Like this cat from the Dominican standing up speaking for millions of people that unified all these people. I just thought it was a really cool thing. And, and, and anything you've ever heard about him as a leader and all that other kind of stuff, it's like, yep, that makes sense. That's poppy. Yeah. Nobody else, you know, that's the perfect guy you'd want doing that kind of thing. Absolutely. So that's my other cool David Ortiz moment. Do you have, do you have another one? You know, I was never a Boston fan, obviously. Me and... neither. I just liked him. Yeah. I, Even I, when he's with the twins, for some well, reason, I don't know why. I just like, I liked him as a player. I like the fact that he's just kind of a big goofy dude. You know what I mean? And when I think, I don't know why, I don't know why this is, but when I think of him, I think of that sports center commercial where he puts on the Yankees hat and the mascot for the, for the Red Sox walks by and they're like, Oh yeah. <laughs> like, Papa's like, what? What's wrong? And he's wearing the Yankees hat. Like so, classic. You know, I hate ESPN Vince, right? But yeah. they, those commercials they used to have were Dude, phenomenal. Fantastic. And that's my favorite. Yeah. Like what are you? And he's like, what? What? He's like, oh, you gotta work it in. You gotta. It's like, oh yeah, because it was him and Jorge Posada, I believe. And and Jorge's like, yeah, I don't even wear the hat. You know, I'm a catcher. He's like, no, you gotta work yeah. it in. You know, <laughs> no, fantastic. Like I, that encompasses like his personality, yeah. which yeah. I loved as a sports fan. I loved yeah. his personality. So that yeah, that's fun. that's what it was for me. So. And he was clutch. And that's what. Oh my I, gosh, that's the yes. thing that separates him to me. Like, you know, he's got great numbers. Right. The numbers are great and all that. But like there's a lot of guys with great numbers that never never had like meaningful clutch hits ever. You know, it, right. it's not the five hundred and forty one home runs that he hit. It's the ones that mattered. Yeah. He absolutely. hit some big home runs that mattered. And and to me that was like even in the World Series against St. Louis, who was the first person to hit that bomb that just kind of got all the Okay, we're here. We're, yeah. we're you know, Yankees wasn't the end game. This is the end game. Right. You know, coming out and hitting a three-run bomb early in game one, you're like, okay, that's Poppy, right? That's yeah, right. That's right. the tone setter. It's kind of like and, when Eric Davis hit that first thing home run against the A's in, 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 in 1990. It's like, okay, the Reds aren't messing around. They're not afraid of the they're not afraid of the Bash brothers and this this Oakland A's team. They're they're coming to to, to work you. And it's just to me, that's what that Poppy home run served sure. in early in that game and, as well. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he's one of the first primary, primarily DH players to really go into the Hall of Fame, right? I mean, that's well, what- Harold Baines is in the Hall of Fame, isn't he? Isn't he in now? I'm not I sure. Think, I think so. Uh, I, I could be wrong, but I, I thought in the last couple of years, a couple of guys like There's that. There's a pretty long period of time yeah. where DHs weren't considered, you know, full baseball players, right? Yeah. And Harold Baines got in in 19. Okay. Uh, yeah. 
and and Harold Baines's numbers aren't anywhere in the same ballpark as <laughs> Big right. Pop. He's playing a different era, but of course. yes, but still, yes. But he's one of the one of the first DHs yeah. to get into the Hall. Yeah, which I think is yeah. all pretty impressive yeah you know what i mean yeah so. and look to me i i'm okay putting dhs in like if don't oh, yeah. have a position and then punnel, penalize people like i hate the dh personally i hate the dh I, I hate the notion of your pitchers aren't real players right right like that i just i hate it, it it's it's um it's like saying well, quarterbacks can't be tackled you know like it's just it's well, i don't know what the rules these days right but <laughs> if you're gonna have a dh then reward the best at what they do That's, that i agree with a thousand percent right Absolutely. And, and if you're great at what you do, okay, then 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 you're a Hall of Famer. Yeah, you know, so like Edgar Martinez is one of the greatest hitters I've ever seen. I don't care if he played the field or not. That's not what he was paid to do. Right, exactly. Right. Uh Harold Baines was, you know, you're gonna punish him for being a great hitter. Like, you know, like it just it made no sense. So uh, we have a lot of guys that were great hitters that were terrible defenders in the Hall of Fame. That's <laughs> no different than a DH. True. Right. Okay. I could have put Harold Baines out in right field and he could have sucked and he still would have been a Hall of Famer. Right. Because <laughs> he can uh, hit. Cause he can hit right? Yeah, right. And that's kind of, that's kind of my thing is like, yeah. if you're, if you, if you're not going to put a DH in, then take out every guy that was a great hitter that couldn't field. Yeah. You know, there's, and there's a lot of those. More outfield. There, there's plenty of national. There's players. a lot of those. They were hitting. There's a lot of first basemen in the, in the, in the Hall of Fame that are there because they could hit. Not because they were, you know, like scooping up every bad throw and you know, it's vacuums. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, come on, you know, they were there because they hit a crap load of home runs. That's why they're in the Hall of Fame. So I've, ne- I've never Hall of Fame voters for baseball are the weirdest group of people. Oh my ever. gosh, like, just the straight. Like, the, I shouldn't like, say they take it too seriously, but like, no, they do. Like, that's, that's no, they take themselves too seriously. There you go. There you the go. vote should be serious. Yes. Like I was engaging with somebody who who voted for the hall of fame and college football. And there's like, okay. He's like, well, I never saw those guys play. Well, that's not your job, right? right. Then do your homework and research. Exactly. Those people, you should take your vote seriously, but sometimes you take yourself too seriously. And, and to me, it, it's kind of like the people that like won't vote for anyone as a first ballot. Well, Babe Ruth wasn't a concern, you know, you, you, whatever. I'm not, it's like, that's just dumb. If a guy's a hall of famer, he's a hall of famer oh, the first time. Like I hate this whole notion of, we've well, got to make him wait and earn his. No, so you're a hall of famer. You're a hall of famer. If you, so if you didn't like, did Ken, was Ken Griffey jr. You, uh, like hundred percent. Has there ever been a guy that was hundred percent? Like to me, if you're not, if you're not voting for someone who's like, I don't need Ken Griffey jr. To wait his turn. If he's a hall of famer, he's a hall of famer. Right? Like I hate that whole, that whole concept of, of hall of fame. And, and I also hate the fact that there, you know, there shouldn't be limits. If there's 15 guys that happen to come up this year and they're hall of famers and let it be 15 guys. Mariano Rivera was the first player. So the first guy ever was a freaking relief pitcher, freaking relief pitcher, a closer. Yes. He was the first player elected unanimously. Derek Jeter received the next highest percentage of votes at 99.74. So that means there was like one joker out there that didn't vote for Derek Jeter to sure. go to the Hall of Fame. Like, like how is Ken Griffey Jr. not unanimous? Like there's so many I, players we go over the years. Willie Mays, Hank Aaron. I mean, we could go over the years and name player after player after player. Johnny Bench. I mean, if you weren't voting for those cats on their first ballot, then you just you shouldn't be a voter anymore. Yeah, Ken Griffey Jr., just for, for the purpose of this conversation, 99.32%. There were three voters that did not vote for Ken Griffey Jr. to get in the Hall of Fame. Three. Those three people should have lost their right Absolutely. to vote. Absolutely. 100% agree. Yes. I mean. It is a privilege, not a right. Yes. Okay? Yes. And, and I was right. Derek Jeter was one guy that didn't vote for Derek Jeter. Sorry, you don't get to vote anymore. No. I, it's just ridiculous. Well, you know what? It's funny. It's like, I think you could actually have a, a an argument about Jeter. Like, I would have voted for him, but I think it's more to vote for him. But he wasn't anyway near my favorite guy. Like, right. I, I, he was well, a like, good player on a great. But see, that's not a Hall of Famer to me. Okay. Right. So my point is, is, is you have a Hall but, of Famer to me is one of two things. You are just. I mean, obviously, I'm talking about the, there's the no-brainers. Ted Williams was elite for decades, right? Mickey Mantle was a Hall of Famer for a long time. What I'm saying is, is this. You either have to be really good for a long period of time or you have to be elite for a, a, a long enough window where I could say, if not for this, you are that. Right. Right? And so, you know, that's why I, I say like a guy like Sandy Koufax is a Hall of Famer. Sandy Koufax did not have a very long career. No, because did. of injuries. But when he was healthy, 
you may not have, there might've not have been a better pitcher right. than him. You know I mean? You're talking about like, you know, Bob Gibson, Greg Maddox, Randy Johnson. I mean, you're talking about like a, a group of five or six guys that are like, you know, just had numbers that are just beyond absurd. Uh, you know, it's kind of like football, you know, Terrell Davis is a hall of famer, right? He was an a, elite player for three years. Yeah. Right. Injury shortened his career, but to me, he's still a hall of famer. Same with Gail Sayers. To think for, for Jeter is, do you view him as a really good player for a long time? Then I, I would say I'd, I'd probably lean towards voting for him, but it's not the no brainer that it would have been for like, for somebody else, you know, where, who I, like, I, I you could argue like, was Derek Jeter ever the best player on his own team? Ooh. And you say, okay, well then, then you can't put Lou Gehrig in because he was never the best player on his team. It was Babe Ruth. Sure. I mean, so, you, so there's all types of conversations that you can have. Uh, about it that would make me kind of say this is an interesting conversation and it isn't a no-brainer so i'm okay if Derek jeter didn't get 100 percent, right but for someone like griffey to not be 100 percent, that's dumb for hank aaron willie mays johnny sure. bench who were the best to ever do it at their position mike schmidt i'm just trying to think of all the guys off the top of my head there, Bob were, 11, there, were, Greg 11, Maddox. there were 11 people that didn't think babe ruth should be in the hall of fame so and that's that's and that's where the rest of it came from well if babe right. ruth wasn't a right. you know, unanimous then such and such and whatever true. thing and it's just like yeah, stupid right. Right. It's just dumb. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's like somebody said something like the Pete Rose thing. Like, I think Pete Rose should be a Hall of Fame. I do too. Now, I don't think Pete Rose should ever be able to manage. I don't think he should ever be able to work in Major League Baseball. I don't think he should ever be in a position where his decisions can can impact it. He 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 got banned for what he did as a manager. Right. Exactly. Right. So don't let him in as a manager but he was still a hall of famer for what he did on the field. It's, and like the steroid debate, I'm having an interesting conversation about because like I've gone back and forth on this one. And like somebody said that about David Ortiz, cause he was linked to the steroids thing. And it's kind of like, how, how, how do we view that? Right? Like to me, there's a difference between David Ortiz who was always a great player who took certain things to stay healthy. Uh, Roger Clemens, Roger Clemens was so my thing is was Roger Clemens a Hall of Famer before he went to Toronto or not? Same thing with Barry Bonds. And people that don't want Barry Bonds in, I I, I don't want. I I kind of for a long time was there, but then I kind of asked myself, okay, we don't believe that Barry Bonds was a Hall. Like we don't think he started using steroids till San Francisco, right, Vince? Isn't that kind of? Right. But That's if you look at his career in Pittsburgh, oh he's a borderline Hall of Famer before he went to San Francisco. I don't even know if it's borderline, to be honest with you. He well, was, it's a, so, longevity is the only thing I'm looking okay, for. Okay, fair enough. But like, like, that's the only thing. He was a five-tool right. player when he was in Pittsburgh. Right. I mean, he just was. He was great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was a much better – I mean, I would argue that Barry Bonds in Pittsburgh was a better all-around player. Yes. And Barry Bonds, his first couple years in, in, in San Francisco – Sure, was a better all-around player than he was when he moved to to he became a, a home run hitter. You know, I mean, because like like what was the one year he had like was it uh, there was one year numbers were just stupid. Oh, it, yeah. His last year he hit forty home forty five homers and one hundred one RBIs. Like I'm sorry, you should not forty nine homers and one hundred six RBIs. It's like that's absurd. He drove in one hundred sixteen runs one year with the Pirates on twenty five home runs. Right. Right. Because he he wasn't just standing up there looking for a walk or a home yeah. run, yeah. right? Yeah. Like a lot of stolen bases. Like I mean, he yeah. was all over the place. Yes, right. he won two MVPs with the Pirates. He won three Gold Gloves with the Pirates. I mean, he was a really good outfielder. Now he wasn't Ken Griffey Jr. Good. No, but he's a really good outfielder. You know, for a long time, and it wasn't until the steroids aspect that his game changed, and he became that home run hitter. And then it became, you know, like one year he had thirty four homers and drove in eighty three runs. It was one hundred two games. But it's just kind of like, you know, like his last four MVPs don't mean a thing to me. I, I 45 homers one year, 90 RBIs. That's not MVP numbers. I'm sorry. This is not. You're great at hitting home runs. That doesn't make you the best player in, in baseball. Right. But if you just look at what he was with the with the Pirates, like you said, Vince, he's a borderline Hall of Famer with the Pirates. Right. You know, because he always had a great eye. He, I mean, he stats for because he left Pittsburgh when he's 27. But he had 127 walks his last year in Pittsburgh. He always had a great eye, you know, but here's the difference. Like stolen bases his first few years, 36, 32, 17, uh, 32, 52, 43, 39. And he was even doing that in some of the years with the Pirates, the the Giants. He had a 42 and 40 year. But then wow. after that, he just became a one-trick pony. Right, exactly. And, and those, Barry Bonds, that, those Barry Bonds years were not as good all around. But his, his up until he was 30, 
he was a phenomenal player. I mean, it was him and Griffey were the two best outfitters in baseball, and it there wasn't a there wasn't a third. Yeah, right. right? Like Griffey was clearly better to me than Bonds up until steroids and then Griffey's injuries. Like if you look at if you project Griffey's numbers through even his first year in Cincinnati, oh. he blows away Hank Aaron's numbers. Right. And he was a better all around player. And he'd have done it with like a dozen gold gloves, gold glove awards. Because it's a shame that Griffey got yeah. hurt because right. he would have just destroyed all the home run oh, yeah. And yes, he, and I and I know this has nothing to do with on the field play, but the off the field Ken Griffey Jr. I would have much rather been behind than the off the field Barry Bonds. And, yes. and let's be honest, right or wrong, when the baseball writers are the ones voting for this, Barry Bonds was a jerk. That's right. not, they're not voting for him. But again, I don't think that should factor into Hall of Fame. Completely right? agree with you. Yeah. Completely agree. You're with the you. biggest a hole around that that shouldn't impact. Oh, that's why he's not getting right. votes. I mean, that's one of the reasons. Right. If 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 it can, like somebody just said Griffey was juicing too. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. Uh, not everyone was doing it. This, uh, what I hate is people say, "Well, they yeah. they all work." No, just the pit. yeah, it, it's just it's like we're all going through problem. now. Some like, people make choices whether there's whether you got to sacrifice yourself or not. There, like I saw this. I'll just use this example. Uh, Nolan Arenado said he's not going to go to Toronto because they're requiring vaccines and boosters, and he doesn't want to do that. He he's coughing up almost a half a million dollars to not go there and do that. Right. And there's the perception. There's still in the media, a very negative perception of that. But what I'm saying is not everybody walks in lockstep because it's what everybody else is doing. Right. Whether you think their decision is right or wrong is not the point. The point is, is not everyone doesn't do everything. And the whole reason Griffey broke down is because he didn't use steroids. That's why when he started getting hurt, it just kept happening and happening and happening. Whereas Roger Clemens was getting hurt. Remember, his last few years in Boston weren't great because he was constantly getting hurt. Then steroid starts, and all of a sudden he's 57 years old and still pitching 150 innings a year. Right. You know what I mean? Like hyperbolic, of course. Uh, you know, so, you know, that's just kind of – that's kind of where I look at it with with that. But the, the point is, is like with – with with if, if you found out Griffey was on steroids, there wouldn't be the pushback against him being in the Hall of Fame because he was a likable guy. Exactly. To yeah, your point. True. Correct. True. But it shouldn't matter. I agree. It shouldn't matter. You. It right. shouldn't matter. And I I really disliked Barry Bonds because he was a jerk. Like because right. that when all that was going on, I was right. a teenager, and you know, I didn't like him. You know what I mean? And right. I love Ken Griffey Jr. Right. Loved him. You right. know, and I wasn't a Mariners fan right. or a Reds fan or anything I was else. I a Reds fan. Right. I, Griffey was my Griffey and Barry Larkin are my two favorite players. So Dave Concepcion was my first favorite player okay. when I was a kid. And then he got okay. replaced by Larkin. He became my favorite player. And then when Griffey who's around the same time as Larkin, he was my fa- other favorite player. So when he came to Cincinnati, I was like, this is phenomenal. Yeah, his right. first year was pretty good. Hit yeah, all three right. homers, almost 120 RBIs on a okay Reds team. Right. And then, of course, the next year he gets hurt, and it just yeah. he was never the same guy. Yeah. It's never Absolutely. the same guy. But, yes, Barry Bonds, I think, should have been a Hall of – should be a Hall of Famer. Um, but And David Ortiz should be a Hall of Famer because I don't right. care. The steroids are one thing, but, like, the thing about Poppy was he was money. Absolutely. And ultimately, to me, like that—that's one of the, like. Do you play big in the biggest moments? And and that's you know, absolutely. That's what I care about. And there you have it—a little baseball talk on Irish breakdown. That's so. fun. Can't believe you skipped that question. Well, I, I didn't know it was that important to you. I, I would, you know, hey, I love it, man. That was fantastic. And by the way, thank you for saying RBIs correctly. Just want to throw that out there. Well, people say ribbies. You don't like when people no, say no, ribbies? no. They say RBI. They don't put the S at the end. Oh they, yeah, it's stupid. I'm sorry. It's only singular. I had an RBI on that last. Right. Hit. I had two RBIs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. So <laughs> gotcha. Just want to make sure there's somebody that you and I both know and love that says RBI. And I just want to punch him in the throat. So, <laughs> Please anyway. don't. He's not on air. <laughs> I don't have to deal with that. <laughs> it doesn't matter. All right. So anyway, that is going to do it for this edition of IB Nation Sports Talk. Thank you, Brian, for jumping on and co-hosting with me as well. Really appreciate it. Oh, we did have a super chat from Connor Patton. I forgot about that. Your boy. Thank you. you forgot to I know, him. right? I started and everything, and I forgot to go back to it. Is there a good preseason or early season example of a moment when you realize that a player was going to have a great season? Yeah. Chase Claypool in 2019. You remember us watching him at practice like this going is a against, man yes. playing against Julian. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it wasn't Julian. I mean, he wasn't, Miles yeah. did that the Julian year before. This is I, after. Was that one, yeah. This is after. Yeah. And I'm just like, this, this looks like an uncle playing like 
street ball with backyard football with fuse, yeah. right? Where he's just like boxing them out, right? He's like, okay, this guy's gonna be a dude this year. <laughs> the, that, the one, the one the that came recent. to mind for me was Kyle Hamilton's freshman year. Yeah. When now, granted, he was with the second team and everything, but he's just picking yeah. off everything that was like in his wake, and yeah. it was like, okay, this kid yeah. is going to be pretty good. So, it wasn't an individual player, but and I don't even know if we thought it was going. The opposite of this was in 2017 in fall camp. I remember Vince and I talking, and I was somewhere else at the time, and I was like, man, this is going to be a rough year, and and he's like, yeah, man, it's going to be brutal. And the reason we were saying that is because. Like the defensive line sucks. Mm-hmm. Like they're just getting, they're just ripping sixty yard run after sixty yard run after sixty yard run, and they're not good. Then you kind of realize, like, no, they're actually going to be pretty good this year. It's just that offensive line is insane, unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you saw it in the Georgia game because I mean, like Georgia. I'm trying to remember what was what did Georgia rush for that year? Let me let me look up because their numbers were a little bit inflated in that game against Notre Dame in 2017. Uh, so l- let me see here real quick. They rushed for 185 yards against Notre Dame that that day and, and averaged 4.3 yards per carry. But if you go back and watch that game, they had like a 50 something yard gain on a jet sweep to DeAndre that. Swift. So that's like it's a little. I mean, it counts as a run. I'm talking about as far as the O line D line matchup is right. what I'm referring to. Uh, right, right. Now, obviously, they ran, they ran the ball, got their yards, and that's an effective play. I'm, I'm not, I'm not taking away from that aspect of it. I'm simply looking at it from the standpoint of, you take that play away, and, and just talk about like how the game was played out in the trenches. And Notre Dame not only, I mean, more than held their own in that game. Right. It was, it was, you know, that that play kind of took. I think it was like a 58 yard run, and and if you take the rest of the, the snaps out of it, they were, I think they were under three yards of carry. Because they were only at they were only at four point three with a fifty plus yard run, so um, that was one where you realize, like, okay, this D line's not this D line's all right. It's just that this offensive line's going to be really good. And of course, when they went out and run hung, hung a fifty spot, a five hundred spot on yeah. DC the next yeah, week, right. it's like yeah, they're all right. They're yeah, pretty they're good. <laughs> It'd be okay. I'm like four bills on uh Temple in the opener and then five hundred the next week against PC. You're like, yeah, defensive line's not that bad. Like, <laughs> These guys are doing this to a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. They, they won three eighteen on a defensive line at NC State that had four dudes that got drafted in the fourth round or high. Right. I remember that. Everybody's <laughs> like, Oh, they're gonna be so good. And yeah. it was like, Yeah, we're, yeah. we're good right here. Yep. I remember that really yep. well. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Well, thank you, Connor, for the super chat. Really appreciate it, man. But that is going to wrap up this edition of the IB Nation Sports Talk. Thanks to Brian for joining me as the co-host tonight. Tomorrow night, uh, Jesse Styers will join me, and we're going to debunk some Notre Dame myths that that people have, uh, and we're going to have some fun with that. So things that people think about Notre Dame that just frankly aren't true. So we're going to talk about that tomorrow, and of course, we'll have some rapid fire as well make sure you hit that like button the subscribe button tell your friends about us hit the merch store had to put up my brand new hoodie my ib nation white hoodie i'm regretting it a little bit because it's hot i'm a little hot right now but it's worth it because this is just beautiful and it just mm-hmm. came in the mail like yesterday so and we both work in our basement so it's always a little cooler in our yeah, basement i figure i give it a shot i figure i give it a shot so Anyway, Brian, thanks this again, man. Merch store. That's in the merch store. I'm telling you, it's all that, that, that right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So make sure you guys check it out. Join us tomorrow, 6 o'clock, IB Nation Sports Talk. I'll be with Jesse. We're going to have some fun. Of course, there's also a show tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Brian, you want to mm-hmm. tell the people? Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about the sophomore class again. This time we're going to look at it from the defensive standpoint. Boom. It's going to take on a whole different angle. And, and if there's some if there's some very notable updates from the barbecue, we'll talk about those at the there beginning you go. of the show as well. There you go. So – Brian, thanks again, and we will talk to you next time on the IB Nation Sports Talk.
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 